helpful to remember to drop any efforts to meditate. You probably have seen those snow globes that get shook up and the little bits of snow, the flakes, whatever they might be, they just very naturally settle back down. And nobody has to meditate for things to settle. And this can be a useful habit for those of us who've been practicing for a while. There'll be this conditioned habit after walking into meditation hall and sitting down to start to meditate. And it might be more useful to simply appreciate how both the body and the mind settle down all on their own when left alone or when trusted. We could call this starting over again, if you like. And it can have elements of befriending the body, befriending the present moment Trusting the practice, how natural it can be. Realizing in a little bit deeper way that I don't have to do the awareness. more about trusting and remembering to recognize that awareness is already capable of reflecting, of knowing it's like this now. This is being known. So again, as we're settling, trusting, be on the lookout for old established patterns to meditate, to do the practice. Because a lot of the practice is this learning process of how simple, how simple it can be. Remembering to recognize it's like this now, this experience, this movement or process of experiencing, it's being known.
and to learn to be suspicious when it feels, seems more complicated. We can actually develop an intuition that the practice is really simple. And so then we're naturally suspicious when the practice seems really complicated or that somehow it doesn't really fit or make sense in this moment. Without judgment, recognizing this as being known, this activity of the body or this activity of the mind is being known. Can this be okay? This activity of the body or mind, realizing that it's being known. Is it safe to relax? safe to soften, to open? Is it safe to allow the heart, the mind, to allow it to be sensitive, to feel whatever's here being felt? So that's, real, that's a real question. Is it safe to explore? Is it safe to relax and to allow, to allow this sensitivity, this remembering, it's like this. This first instruction or encouragement to relax. It's really calling on our deepest wisdom. Is the mind hard willing to put down the deep habit of struggling, or controlling or distracting, all of which takes a lot of work, mental work, stressful. So is it safe to abide in this knowing 
no matter what it is that arises in that process of experiencing. Awareness knows it's like this. This is being known. It feels like this. It's just this feeling being known, however intense or subtle, pleasant or unpleasant, Is it safe to allow things to come and go, to be felt, to be seen? And then in this space of experiences being known, curious about continuity what supports the continuity of this present moment awareness, what interrupts it. It's not about being frustrated, it's just more of a curiosity about how it works. Seeing that this continuity of present moment awareness, this open-hearted, clear-minded, steady presence is easeful. And most often when the mind gets drawn into dramas, self-dramas, it's stressful.
this whole practice, process of awakening, has this flavor of warmth and kindness. Every time we invite the body and mind to relax, every time we remember to abide in the knowing, this is being known, this is being felt, Every time we get curious about continuity, it all arises out of this basic goodness, basic warmth of the heart that cares, wants to take care of this life. Continue in silence now for a while.
again, there is a very particular training. It's not complicated. Remembering to recognize the present moment, this experience is being known. It sounds boring, but it's actually quite enlivening and liberating to see that this is being known encompasses the totality of our experience. It's really that simple. And when the mind, as the mind begins to understand or intuit this, it really has the flavor of freedom and ease. It's just this being known. So have some humility and persistence in this simple training, some curiosity. And of course, that this that's being known is just this activity of the body, seeing, hearing, touches or sensations, and the activity of the mind the movement of thought and emotion. All of these activities are being known. Sometimes with the breadth of awareness, we notice many of these activities together. Sometimes the attention is more noticing a particular sensation, a particular sound, a particular movement of thought. but that it's being known in this moment really undermines the habits of reactivity. But if you find that the mind is somewhat stuck in repeated patterns, then with a lot of warmth, a lot of understanding, Of course, of course it's like this. Sometimes it is like this. The mind gets stuck, the mind becomes reactive, gets frustrated, of course. So you wanna normalize this pattern we all have of at times getting caught up, taking things personally, reacting. So we may, it may seem like there's a lot of clarity knowing that the mind is stuck, caught in some pattern. But if the mind is actually caught, then there's something that's present that the mind isn't clearly recognizing. So humility is useful. What else is here that's not being seen, not being acknowledged as something being known And you can drop in the question, what's the feeling here? What does this feel like? Oh, this feeling is being known. 
So acknowledging the underlying feeling tone can be very useful. It's a way of being more inclusive about what's happening, what's showing up. It feels like this now. So we're not trying to define the feeling, just connecting, having an honest, open, clear relationship with the movement of feeling, the pleasantness, unpleasantness, and at times neutrality of the feeling. And in a sense, making peace with that feeling. It's just this feeling being known, just this feeling being known. Can this be okay? Is it safe to just allow the feeling to move here, to be here? Is that safe? And a lot of the drama, a lot of the circulating of thoughts can fall away when the mind more clearly acknowledges this movement of feeling being known.
again a few moments before the bell. Recognizing the great breadth of mental activity, including the attitude. Seeing all this mental, emotional activity as something being known here and now. And also the great breadth of physical activity, sensations and sounds, seeing this movement of the body being known here and now, mind and body being known. Can this be okay to allow this unfolding, to trust to appreciate the learning that comes, the insight that comes from keeping things simple, mind and body being known. Take a little time for questions about the practice you might have. Yes. Yeah, good question. So he asked, this person asked, if one has been lost in thought and or as you said asleep and wakes up and in the past this person would return the attention to the breath or some chosen established meditation object and what's what is it that we recommend in this style of practice and uh, it's important to know that it's okay if the attention comes back to the breath or comes back to the experience of the whole body. Some of you have these meditative habits and they're not necessarily bad habits. But in terms of this practice, we're curious about that moment. We want to encourage the mind to recognize that moment of waking up and any attitude that's there, any judgment that's there. Because there are many moments right there that can just be moments of something being known. You know, noticing the particular energetic qualities in the body and mind in that first, in those first moments of the mind sort of coming back into the present moment awareness, right? And then any sort of judgment, any attitudinal activities in the mind can be recognized. And then maybe some parental energy comes into the mind, you should get back to the breath or something like that. Then that 
you know, relatively wholesome, relatively unwholesome, whatever it is, that attitude that's directing the attention somewhere, that also can be noticed as something being known, right? And if there's some judgment, oh, I, I, in this style of practice, I shouldn't be directing my attention back to the breath, then you can notice that too. So we're, it's sort of a radical letting life, letting the activity of the mind, the activity of the body do what it's going to do. And we're putting all our sort of emphasis on this, remembering this awareness, this reflective awareness that recognizes this is what's being known. This is what's being known. And if, for example, some pattern, whatever it might be, like what I mentioned, you know, maybe that habit of directing the attention back to the breath has a little bit of parental, unskillful parental energy to it, like um, part of an ancient system of control, like got to get this thing organized and in control. And so there's some fear or aversion in, in it. Well, just the simple practice that we're recommending of recognizing, okay, that's being known, that feeling tone and that mental attitude is being known. It has a way of changing the mind stream down the road. So without the sense of me having to fix my meditation habits, meditation habits get fixed. Because we're emphasizing this continuity of present moment awareness, whatever is actually unskillful in the sense of creating stress or actually skillful in the sense of supporting the release of stress, the knowing of that just gets sort of becomes part of the mind going forward. So the important thing is to see it. Acting on what's being seen is actually part of the natural process of the mind. We think I have to integrate what I have come to understand. It's very common for us to think that but it's just not the case. We'll learn, it's just not the case that learning gets integrated or insight gets integrated. We become different when the mind sees things clearly. Not because I want to be different or because I've you know, made myself different. The, different. the change comes, the transformation comes because the mind is seeing clearly the way things are. We may tell a story that, you know, I really changed myself. When I was younger, I was this way, but I saw that it was unskillful, so I've made some important changes in my life. And it's okay to talk that way. But as a sort of a practitioner, you know, a Dharma practitioner, using these teachings from the Buddha, we see that's just actually not correct in the deeper sense. Yeah, change has happened, absolutely, but... I didn't do that change. That change arose naturally from the mind seeing things more clearly. Does that, does that help? The question is really how not to get recaught into that mind state. By seeing it. By seeing it. Yeah. And then the question that comes back to me is that I've seen it, now what? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> keep seeing it. <laughs> So I, maybe you heard him, you know, he's, he's, cause this is the thing we always think, <clears throat> I mean, this is just the habit of mind to assume we're seeing everything. That's, that's really a good definition of delusion. One of the best definitions, you know, the thing that 
the way the Buddha defines awakening is the cessation of greed, anger, and delusion. So these tormenting qualities of the mind. And delusion or ignorance is the primary one because greed and, uh, and aversion really come out of ignorance. And one of the best definitions of ignorance or delusion is thinking that we know. Or in this case, thinking that the mind is seeing everything that's here to see. So like in the guide meditation, one encouragement is just to get curious about what feeling is there. So like when you're watching the pattern, you may see elements of it very clearly. So you, you, the mind may be correct or the wisdom of the mind might be correct. Hey, there's, there's awareness here, yet the pattern keeps repeating. But part of wisdom is a humility, like knowing that not everything's being seen. And sometimes we call this interest or this wisdom factor of investigation, but it's really essential. And especially for this style of practice, it's really at the heart of what we're doing is we're strengthening this particular muscle of curiosity about the present moment. And part of that curiosity is really this humility that I'm pretty sure I'm not seeing, feeling everything that's here. So you could drop in a question, what else is here but isn't being clearly seen, clearly acknowledged as something being known? Yeah, thanks for raising that. Yes. Yeah, good questions. So the person said that uh, sometimes he, this person's able to put a name on the arising experiences and that really helps the knowing mind realize this is being known. And sometimes there's not a word <clears throat> that captures or as he can find to name that experience. <clears throat> So that's why often up here, you know, we'll use this as being known. We use that word this a lot. And so you're always able to use sort of a generic term because the perception, the recognition of what it is, we're really, uh, we don't want to be limited by the conceptual frame that we might. And, And really, even the conceptual frames that are useful, they're useful because they aim, in a sense, the awareness at the object, but don't distort the experiencing. Because what we're suggesting that what's more relevant than the specific qualities of that mental attitude or that physical experience of sensation or sound is that it's being known in the present moment. That it's something that is unfolding in this conditional way. It's arisen, being known and goes away. So we're really emphasizing that is being known. But the mind does need to connect. The knowing mind does need to connect with the object. And so that's part of what that curiosity is. But you don't need a mental label to connect. 
And so if the mind says, you know, like if it feels like it's not clear, well, that's part of what the mind is knowing, the lack of clarity or the confusion, right? Like the mind, can't the mind be crystal clear that I don't know what's going on here, right? There's a teacher in Burma, Saida Ujanaka, who used that line a lot. He, he would give the example of a foggy day, you know, and it's like the mind can be very clear that it's foggy. And it's the same thing when the mind is, you know, whatever the mind state or the attitude is or the particular experience is. And it really helps with this uh, development of this skillful means of humility. Because a lot of times the demand for clarity is really a control uh, strategy of the ego, right? This sort of personality view that I feel safer when I can name it. I feel in control. And uh, it's really a useful place in practice to let things fall apart. (laughs) That was a great title from Mark Epstein's book, Falling Apart Without Going to Pieces or... No, it's something like falling apart without going to pieces or something like the other way around. Going to pieces without falling apart. (laughs) Because there is a certain, like, that's why the practice is so hard. We're releasing what we have used for ground, which hasn't really worked, by the way. (laughs) And we're, we're finding this different kind of ground, which isn't really ground at all. So it's a difficult transition for us practitioners, (laughs) which is why it's so good to do the practice in community. And by it's, you know, our job mostly is to normalize how difficult it can be to do this very simple practice. Yeah, thanks for raising that. Time for maybe one more right here. Thank you. I think this question, now that I reflect a little on it, has a lot to do with what you're saying about being very clear that it's foggy. And I think I'd like to address this to Alexis only because we were together on retreat in December and you had mentioned, if I heard you correctly, that you've had many discussions with Joseph about the possibility that a heightened level of awareness is a skill that can make it difficult to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. In my own life, I, I certainly believe this is what's occurring. Mm-hmm. And I've told myself, uh, as a way of comforting myself here, that I would rather try to sleep under the bright light of awareness as opposed to live my life in the darkness of confusion and delusion. Um, Okay, so basic question is, uh, he'd rather, you, you'd, this person would rather live under the bright light of awareness than under the, the darkness of delusion. This now it seems to be keeping you awake at night. Is you that? fall asleep easily. Yes. For about an hour. And then the mind wakes up. And alert, and then I'll fall asleep easily. Right, right. It seems, you know, that the awareness right. is like a light that is, Shining, right. Sleeping in a well-lit room. Right, and keeping the mind awake. 
Maybe. <laughs> so I have seen different minds kind of unfold differently. So for Utejaniya, it seems the more relaxed he is and the more aware his mind is, the easier it is for him to just fall asleep even when he's giving instructions. So <laughs> that's kind of a goal of mine is, can I be so relaxed that I can just, you know, just you'd hear me snoring in between sharing. Then I'll know, oh, I've, I've mastered this freedom thing, right? And then other people, and a lot of Dharma people, we had one breakout session, we had a, a I'm sorry? Yeah, mention that. Yeah. Of, it was a teacher, international Vipassan teacher meeting. And um, one of the breakout groups were just people put up different things that they wanted to talk about. So one was having difficulty sleeping. It was a sold out room. It was like the room was packed with teachers struggling a little bit with sleeping. So now, let's see, now I have to fix this situation. <laughs> Um, I think the, one, one thing that happened to me, and this is just anecdotal, which was as a kid, oftentimes I would be very, very peaceful resting at night, but not sleeping very much. I remember asking my dad at the time, do I need a certain number of hours of sleep? And of course the answer is yes, you need eight hours of sleep. Well, it was very distinct from that point for until I actually, years later met Utejaniya and had this conversation, if I wasn't sleeping the amount of hours I thought that I needed, I would feel really agitated. Right? Because now I had this model in my mind. And I remember then the, the conversation with Utejaniya, he said, if you're lying down and the body is getting its rest and the mind is being used skillfully, so we're not proliferating around anxiety, how much sleep am I getting? That can, in fact, for the mind, be very restful. That's not always easy because, I, you know, oftentimes when I'm traveling, I know that model in my mind and yet the mind will be awake on the airplane and feel, you know, exhausted by that process. But I have seen on retreat, if we're not feeding that tendency to worry about not sleeping. So we're taking care of the balance of the mind. For many people, this has actually settled the mind. Because one of the most agitating and worrying things is thinking about the time, I'm not sleeping, I'm not falling asleep. And then it gets into a cycle of feeling exhausting. You know, so if the quality in that moment is feeling bright, then just just rest in that, just really rest. And again, this is gonna be very individual. We have to kind of navigate this territory for ourselves and see, are we, are we pushing any energy into being you know, awake? Or can we just really relax and let go of any, any pushing, in, even in that level of the mind that's bright? And the mind's bright, you know, but we still oftentimes do, we're doing. And it might be when we get so accustomed to having turned on the light switch so many times of awareness, we keep doing something with the mind. And it might be that that little bit of extra doing has some agitation. But again, this is a really personal process and I would just explore, is there agitation in the brightness or is there just the brightness, but also a deep, deep rest in the process, right? And for every person, it's gonna be a little bit different of what to, what to explore.
Yeah. Okay. Okay, since I've spoken last, I'll offer the morning announcements that we have. So please, um, if you're one of the rare people that doesn't check the board um, every time you pass by it, please do check the board once in a while because there are notes uh, that will be there for you at times that, and, and announcements that we put on the board. So don't make an obsession of it, but check the board. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's it. Um, so just a reminder again for the day, uh, even though it does say self-scheduled practice, the encouragement of having this open framework and the encouragement of this light touch is really for these ongoing moments, right? For continuity to get strong. It's not something that we can create, but whenever the mind remembers to be aware again, right? It's that moment, moment by moment. So if you, if you really see this day of living here as living life and you, and you get interested in awareness, Right? This is how this practice get, gets integrated, becomes a habit, wholesome habits of our mind. Right? So you have a whole day right, to just, as Mark used this word, like developing the muscle, right? developing the muscle of awareness again and again. So then the schedule, uh, it looks open, but actually the schedule, this is demanding schedule all day, but effortless. <laughs> no striving but don't stop. (laughs) Anyways, okay. It's a lovely day, so enjoy the practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.